With incredible emotion, you've got to understand what he's done for you. 48 hours to live. Jesus is about to be crucified. He's heading towards this ridiculous moment. What does he do? We're going to open in prayer, and we're going to get stuck in to see what that looks like. Heavenly Father, I come before you in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord God, that this morning you will bring great revelation of what you value, a great revelation of who you are, King Jesus, to every single person seated here this morning and every person joining us online. I pray, King Jesus, that you'll speak into the depths of our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord God, that we'll walk out here changed, not because of who spoke, but because what was spoken in your power, King Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, speak into the depths of our lives. That things that need to be adjusted, where there's poor, where, where things are perceived incorrectly, where we have some chinks in our armor, we pray that you bring healing, restoration, wholeness, direction. We want to know you better, and we trust that this morning will be that opportunity. We submit this meeting to you. We surrender to you, King Jesus. I pray this in your wonderful name, our King. Amen. Matthew chapter 26, verse 17. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? You can hear that the disciples were not American because if it said Passover. Verse 18. He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. And then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. It's crazy how Jesus, just before he's about to be crucified, chooses. Obviously, they're significant in the whole Passover meal, and we'll chat about that um, over the Easter weekend. But he chooses that in this moment, as he's about to be crucified, to hang out with his disciples, to spend time with his friends. He doesn't have Mary there. He doesn't have his mom there. He hasn't got the team us, you know, the us team, the Lazarus and the Zacchaeus, the guys that he had raised from the dead, the guy that he had went, he spent time with. He doesn't have them at the, at the meal with him. He's chosen his friends his disciples that he wants to spend time with why would Jesus value fellowship on this level why would Jesus value fellowship when he could have been doing so many other things do we value fellowship now we're sitting over here we're in church we're loving Jesus but do we value the fellowship us getting to hang out together and why should we value fellowship I mean come on honestly if Jesus didn't have to hang out with these guys he wouldn't have had the Judas I think Jesus' ministry would have been fantastic without the Judas. And I know the, the theology that it was necessary to, to see it fulfilled. I don't want to be the Judas. It would be better that you were never born. But why would Jesus want to choose fellowship? And I think we need to start looking at fellowship, the way we spend time with each other in a totally different light. But let me keep reading. So my title this morning is The Value of Fellowship. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The new covenant is a team sport. The new covenant is celebrated in fellowship. 
He carries on in verse 29. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Worship is a team sport. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here a while. Sorry, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here. Keep watch with me. Prayer is a team sport. I love the fact that I'm assuming most of you will stay at home and that you stay at home and say, I celebrate what Jesus has done. I stay at home and I worship in my own way. I've got Hillsong on and I've got Bethel music playing and I worship. That's fantastic. And I sit at home and I pray. That's fantastic. But there's a biblical model to be followed here that worship, celebrating the new covenant and prayer is something we get to do in team. That's what we do. And you pray at home and you worship at home, but we come here and we worship. And you go, oh, I didn't like that song. We're not singing it to you. I couldn't hit that note. Hit something. You get me, sir? But we have to get out of this mentality that, oh, I'm just going to, we used to sing this stupid little song as kids. I don't know if it was here, but, you know, me in my small corner and you in yours, this kind of nonsense. No, that's the problem with Christians is we all got this holy huddle. The thing is we all this holy huddle of salt and too much salt makes things sterile. And God's calling us to be salt in the world and not salt just gathering for the sake of salt. We've got to go out there and flavor the world and add depth to it. Anyway, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. I love the fact that Jesus wants to have God's plans changed because we do the same thing. And it's fine. Sometimes we can pray, Lord, I don't want to do it. I don't like your ideas, God. I don't want to do what you've called me to do, but as you will. As long as we have that attitude of Jesus. Lord, it's difficult. It's troublesome. It's challenging. It's going to squeeze me and press me. But not my will. Your will be done. Then he returned to his disciples, found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation. The spirit is weak. Sorry, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I want to speak this morning. Why would Jesus want to go hang out with these guys? You think you're doing life all right, but on your own? Jesus wouldn't even go pray by himself. Jesus, son of God, fully man, fully God, chooses that when he goes to pray, he takes his wrestling team with him. You know the wrestling team? The Rock and the Sons of Thunder. If Jesus needs his buddies to go with him just to go and pray, how much more do we need our people, our tribe around us, to function normally? This, and I must be honest with you guys, uh, I I love the church that I'm from, Lighthouse Church. I I love it. We were there for 12, almost 13 years. I love this place already. I love Dayspring. I love Springfield. And people ask me why. I do not know. But I think it's because I've come to know some of you people. It's phenomenal. I know you can't clap because it sounds a bit arrogant and a little bit conceited when somebody says you're awesome. You go, this is true. This is good stuff. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. But I want to, no, 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 don't do that now. 
But there's something about this place that allows you to feel loved and encouraged. Why haven't you brought your friends? Oh, well, all my friends are here. Make new ones. Get them. So I'm going to touch on four, I think, four quick points. Really, just let's get it done on why fellowship matters. Our lives are going to be completely transformed. You're going to go. You're going to invite all your friends to church next week. They're going to come. They're going to get radically saved. They're going to bring all their friends. Then within four weeks, we're going to go double services. Revival is going to break out. Shout out to Bill and Randy for warming up the atmosphere for me. This is really great, you know, with Randy and Bill coming through to warm up the atmosphere for my family and I to get here. It's really kind of them. They don't live here. I do. Fellowship matures us. And we all need to grow up a little bit. Being around fellow believers, we, we get to be... Get to grow up a little bit. I'll read this to you, Matthew 18. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. I love that scripture. I just, I get saddened how Christians use this and butcher it so badly. Because if we took this as literally where there are two or three and we're going to hang out and whatever we ask is going to be given, the world would be a mess. A bigger mess than what it is. Because we ask for the most ridiculous things. But Jesus teaches us this. Because remember, Jesus said, Father, if it at all possible, take this cup from me. But not my will, your will be done. Jesus has already said, yeah, in Matthew 18, where two or more gathered, I'm with you. Whatever you ask in my name, you'll get. But this is what asking in Jesus' name means. It's not just wrapping up in, in Jesus' name, amen. It's speaking about walking in the will of God and then us in agreement speaking about it. And, we, and this is what the will of God can look like. I can say, Lord God, I pray, bring fire down on Springfield. Lord, curse everyone. And my brother says to me, dude, no, you don't say that. We don't speak curses, we speak blessing. We call out life. Okay. Lord God, in Jesus' name, release the blessings of heaven over my city for the sake of your bride, King Jesus. For this. And your friend goes, yes, now I come in agreement with you. That's praying the will of God in unity. He's not going to entertain the silly things, and I think sometimes we're missing out on things because our prayer meetings are stuck at home, sitting around my coffee table, interceding for things that God is not calling us to intercede for. Keep praying at home. Keep interceding at home. But it's within this fellowship. I think we get forced to mature when we want to make poor decisions. And because we hang out in fellowship that we can speak to other people, we have friends that can speak into our lives. I watch too many Christians making the most ridiculous decisions. And when you ask them, who, where did you get your counsel? Spoke to this homeless college friend of mine. And he was giving me this business advice. Sounded great. <laughs> Proverbs 15 says this in verse 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Do you hear with many advisors? Where two or three are gathered in my name, many advisors. Whatever you ask in my name, so where there are many advisors who come together and have faith, whatever you're asking for, I start moving. If, I have it too often where people would come to me and go, my life is falling apart. I did this, I did that. I don't know why God went back on his word. What was God's word? 
well, this is what I felt. Who did you speak to? No one. Who did you share with? And then we, they always want to quote, I didn't want to cast the pearls before swine. Wrong context. But if you're going to make a life-changing decision, you meet with the leaders that are in your life, that you allow them to speak into your life. And sometimes they're going to tell you things that you don't want to hear. That's how we mature in fellowship. That's how we hang out. I, uh, a couple of years ago, we just went through some ridiculous chaos. And I wanted to quit. I was done with ministry. I thought, come on, the church has already killed Jesus. They don't have to kill me as well. I'm done. And I, I was really, I said, to, I said to my family and without my wife and children, I, I would have quit in various ways. And a, a friend of mine who has access to my life, who speaks into my life, he came over to my house. He said, I have not given you permission to quit. Now, in my mind, I was thinking, Who? The heck do you think you are? He said, I'm not giving you permission to quit. I'm your friend. I speak into your life. You will grin it. You will grin. You will bear it. You will hang in there. And I will let you know when you're allowed to leave. I moved out of home when I was 16 years old. I haven't had someone speak to me like that in years. And I sat there. He said, do this one thing for me. Not now. Not today, and, and we kind of just agreed on this, and, and he prayed with me. And a week later, I said to him, can I quit now? He said, you don't get to ask me again. I'll tell you when. And the most ridiculous thing happened is two years later, we're sitting and we're having this conversation, and, and we're sitting in his car, and we were on our way somewhere, and I said to him, you know this, I feel, it, I feel it's time. I'm not quitting. I feel our time and our season being here has come to an end. This was in, I think, yeah, middle of last year. And he looked at me and said, I, I don't think I'm ready to send you. He came with me to the States in January because he wanted to check that this was good. This was the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And we sat here, and the elders prayed over him and over me. And when we left an elders meeting, he sat in the car, looked at me, and said, you're good to go. You, that's what friends do. That's what friends in the kingdom do. You need the people that you trust, that you value, before you do things that are life-changing, that impact others. That's what fellowship, that's what we do. Fellowship provides encouragement. Hebrews 10 says this, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We use the scripture a lot during COVID. Every church used the scripture during COVID. Let's not neglect the gathering. But I love the way it starts. Let us think of ways to motivate each other. Let's be creative. Let's ponder. Let's devise a strategy how to encourage others. Let's, let's come up with a strategy on how I can find somebody that's depressed and down so that I can encourage them. Are you coming up with strategies and ways so that the, your neighbor who looks absolutely deflated and you don't understand why because you were playing the violin the whole night and you don't know why they look tired. Are you coming up with ways so that you can encourage them? Are you coming up with ways to encourage those that you work with, that you spend time with? Because the word of God tells us, let us come up, let us think, let us. You're the head, you're not the tail. God has a purpose for you. You're made in his image and he loves you ridiculously. 
what you're busy with right now, God can use whatever you're facing, whatever you're in, regardless of your age, regardless of your gender, regardless of the chaos that you've been through. God has the ability to use the exact situation that you find yourself in for his glory and for your good. Do you know that God is calling something out of you right now in this moment to see you set up for victory? Do you know that your past chaos that you've been through has molded you, is stirring you, is carving you so that he can use you as a weapon in his hand? Do you understand that the absolute mess that you think you've caused, he can turn around? Do you understand that your destiny that he's calling you into, he doesn't have to look at your past, but he can use the past to see you set up? Do you know that exactly what you know, what you understand about the word of God is perfectly set up for you to minister to the people that he has surrounded you with? Do I have to come up with more creative ways to encourage you this morning? You will not be encouraged in isolation. The greatest punishment in a prison is that they put a person in solitary confinement. The greatest lie that the enemy is throwing at the children of God is that you can do this on your own. We're creating spiritual solitary confinement. It is unhealthy for you. It is unhealthy for the church. And you need to stop coming here going, I wonder what I'm going to get from church today, as opposed to having the mentality of, I'm going to church. I wonder who I can bless, who I can give to, who I can encourage, because I'm going to think, ponder, and plan on how I can encourage others as the day draws near. Proverbs 22, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron. You know, we think these are cliches, but these are our anchors. So one person sharpens another. Who's going to tell you when you're being an idiot if it's not within the fellowship? (laughs) Have you ever had somebody in church tell you that you're doing something unwise or that you're being an idiot? I have. In the moment, you know they're not saved. (laughs) You doubt why you go to that church. I once had leaders challenge me to my very core, walked out there, hated them for it, hated my friends because they agreed with it. And it was the most constructive moment that I had in my life, setting me on a different course. Do you have iron sharpening you, or have you just become a butter knife? Easy going, getting nothing done. I'm not going to linger there. Next one. Fellowship increases our impact. We, we know this one, 1 Corinthians 12, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. But I want to do rather, for you, if I say I had a wonderful breakfast, what comes to mind? A lot of various things. I can say to you, I've got a picture of my breakfast this morning. I had a wonderful, uh, I think probably about a teaspoon of salt and a teaspoon of baking powder. I had that for breakfast. It was really nice. Um, I enjoyed it. I don't know how many of you had that for breakfast. Breakfast of champions. Everybody who's seen the cardiologist lately is going, he's going to die. That's what I had for breakfast. Well, there were a few things added. Uh, well, there was, I think there was probably some egg and some flour. This is my concealed carry. I had oh. If I'm going to preach it, I'm going to eat it. No, it's stuck 
that has salt and that has baking powder in it. The problem with the church is all the baking powder wants to hang out and all the salt wants to hang out and all the flour wants to hang out over there, and all the eggs and all the nuts. Obviously, all the nuts are oh yeah. But <laughs> we, we need to understand that we are incomplete on our own. That hanging out in fellowship does something where it's within our diversity that we become something that the world can look at and recognize and go, that's what we need. We want the world to have an encounter with the head, but we're not making the body welcoming at all. What does that look like? For the moms, the moms get together. One, two, three on the 28th of March. Am I right? Yeah. I think you need to get your friends, if your moms, if you can make that meeting. I really felt while I was preparing, I really felt you need to get them there. Because this is the weird thing. And as church leaders, we have this. I can say something from the pulpit every single Sunday. You have one visiting preacher come. He says the exact same thing and people go, I get it. Man, yeah, D, that guy's got wisdom. That guy's inside. I'm like, I've been saying this for four years now. That guy, he's got it together. Once again, you doubt their salvation and when you really look at membership. But there's something about us in team looking different and working that moms, you can bring your friends to something like that and somebody else will say something, not the greatest revelation, but it's presented differently that the person can receive it. It's still the salt, it's still the baking powder, it's still all the goodies put together, but the way we come together in a mix, we get to be presented in a way that others can receive it easily. My grandson eats these little things, they're called veggie straws. And it, apparently they hide veggies in these things. And it's, uh, my mom never did that. She hid vegetables under a wooden spoon. So <laughs> you eat it or else. So you have these veggies hidden in there. And, and I, I think we have, we, we, we have hidden gems hidden within you, this body. And as people come in, they're going to have encounters and it's going to be rich and it's going to be rewarding and it's going to be nourishing. And you're thinking, yes, but it's just a little old me. Yes, but we need just a little old you. We need you, we need your flavor, we need what you bring. Because in fellowship, we might not have it all together, but together we have it all. And that's something that we have to understand. You, your flavor, you bring that, it makes this body better. Oh, well, they don't need me. Yes, we do. Oh, well, I'm not doing anything. Well, change that, do something. But we need you as you are being here. There's somebody who has a, a desperate need to hear your testimony. There's somebody that's going to walk in these doors that are desperate to hear your story, to have any, a word of encouragement that they'll receive from you and not necessarily receive from me because we package differently, we, we speak differently, we present it differently. It happens in fellowship. And the last one, fellowship eases the pressure. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. Great way to end the sermon. When you meet together, one will sing, one will preach, another will tell some special revelation. God has given one, one will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. I love that. When we get together, I don't have to sing. I, this voice is not built for singing. Others get to sing. The worship team, you get to sing. I'll get to preach. You get to share a tongue. When we get together, our gifts strengthen others. 
Now, it's not about our flavor. It's about what God has put together. So all of a sudden, when you're in church, you have a worship team. I don't have a worship team at home. I have a family that can sing, but we don't have these worship sessions. There's something about coming together on a Sunday morning that takes the pressure of me doing everything that I'd have to do if I was all by myself, and we get to do it together. We get to have a worship team. We get to have family. We get to have this fellowship. We get to be part of something so much more significant. I was at a bike rally two weeks ago, and uh, it was my last kind of outreach preaching moment outside of the church in South Africa. So I was at this rally, and I'm, I'm in a, a tent, and I'm, I'm sharing my testimony with a whole lot of bikers, and I'm looking around at the most ridiculous bunch of misfits. I'm talking, it doesn't matter what you look like, what you ride, everyone's got, you know, ride or die t-shirts on, and I live to ride and ride to live, and everyone is there, and everyone's excited, and it, it's it's just the crazy, most hodgepodge group of people. I've been a biker since I was 16 years old. And for me, it's like, that's the place where I see everyone's welcome. Because no one's being judged. No one's being judged by how they, how they present themselves, what they look like. People, it doesn't matter what you smell like. It isn't your language, your color, anything. It's that you're part of something and everyone is welcome. I looked at this and I, one of my friends and... Uh, one of the elders on my team, he was with me, two of them were with me, and I said to him, and I said, this is what the church should look like. And he looked at me a bit stunned. <laughs> I said, this is, you should be welcome. It doesn't matter what chaos is happening in your life, yeah, you're welcome. Because no one at this bike rally was going, what's your gender? Do you know what your gender is? Are you confused? Well, you can't be, and you can't be gay, and you can't come with that stuff because this is a bike doesn't matter who you are. That's what the church needs to be. We need to stop trying to be the people who fix people and do what Jesus called us to do and love people. And then we let the Holy Spirit do the work and he's got all the energy and all the time to do the work and we put all our energy into loving people. It's tough. And that's why we're going to need him. And that's why we're going to need each other. We get to hang out. We get to have fellowship. What is this going to look like? We're going to see something of a life group culture grow in this church. I was chatting to a few guys this morning. I've never seen a more extraordinary bunch of shepherds than what I've witnessed in this church. This church is full of shepherds. This, this is the shepherding church. And I'm assuming, well, I know it full. It's because of your ridiculous shepherding anointing that has kind of just seeped into this church. What you've released over the church is an absolute setup. For the season that we're going into. The way you love people, it's crazy. The way you love people, it's because of what has flown into the, been flowing into this church. Um, honestly, I said this the other day. I said, I cannot believe how much Phil Wilson loves people. And you know what somebody's response was? Don't you know his parents? Oh. Yeah, that makes sense. It's Stephen Sally. That's what you have been set up for in the season that's ahead. You've learned to love. Now you're going to learn to love others. And not just this little holy huddle on a Sunday morning. Now we're going to bring in those that are going to challenge you. Because I love on a Sunday morning, you like walk in, it's like, I love you, and you're amazing. I'm like, how long have you known this person? For 400 years. And you're loving each other, and it's wonderful. Now we're going to bring those in that they don't look like you, and they don't fit in you, and they don't know your Jesus jargon. And when you say hallelujah, they're going to think you're foreign. And when you say amen, they're going to think you're calling them something else. And when they walk in here, they're not going to know any of the Jesus stuff. And when you say you've got to read the book of John, they're going to go and try to buy the book of John, not knowing it's in the Bible. We're going to bring those people in. We're going to see their wills turn the right way up. And we're going to see people loved. And you're going to do it. It is not the pastor's job. 
Oh, wait, some of you didn't know what I said there. It's not the pastor's job. It's ours in fellowship under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to get this job done and we're going to see Springfield radically changed. And then we're going to take it from there. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're kind and you're good and you're faithful. And I love you. We love you, our King. Lord, I thank you that we get to be in fellowship with one another and with you. I thank you, Lord God, that you have created this environment of people that just love each other. Lord, I thank you for the new people that are getting ready. They already know that there's something happening. They're getting ready to come in and to be loved. We thank you, Lord God, for the, the tenacious love that this church will have. Lord, we, we just pray a blessing over Paul and his team in the kids' ministry, that they will be so equipped with so much love and so much strategy that we're going to see kids walk in there and have an encounter with Jesus, that they will never, ever wander away from him because they've met you, our King. Lord, I pray of an anointing, of a, of a, like the mom's feeding room, that moms that walk in that are tired and are feeling exhausted and feel like they're failures, they're going to walk in here, they're going to have meetings just with the right mom who's going to speak life over them, their lives are going to be radically changed. I thank you, Lord God, we're going to have young girls walking in through those doors who want to have abortions, but they're going to have an encounter with you, King Jesus, and their minds will be changed. Lives are going to be changed. Lives that should have been lost are going to be restored. We thank you, Lord God, that those that wanted to end their lives drive and they rock up at Dayspring. It's, it's their last meeting. They just wanted to go to church before they end their lives. They're going to walk in and they're going to hear this gospel of our glorious King Jesus. Lives will be changed. Ministers released ministries birth in this church for you your kingdom, for your sake, for your name's sake, Lord God. Shift the atmosphere, King Jesus, right down. Lord, where we have become comfortable, we don't want to be comfortable anymore. We want to be content, but Lord, we don't want a life of comfort. Lord, I speak a release of purpose. I pray for every person seated here. If you've joined us online, this is for you as well. But every person listening now, the purpose of God will be fulfilled in your life. The devil will not rob you. He will not take a single moment from your life. He will not steal a second from your life. At the end of the meeting, when the ministry team comes to the front and you are sick, you come for prayer with them, you claim back the hours, the days, the possible months the enemy has tried to steal from you, and where he has drained your energy, we need to see your energy restored. This is a call. This is a call to arms. As much as we love, we have an enemy that hates. This is a call to arms. I'm speaking over you this morning, day spring, you will stop being comfortable in your seats. You will stop being complacent with what you're facing. You will stop allowing the voice of the enemy to tell you that you're inadequate because you've messed up somewhere. We speak against the enemy's voice in your life in Jesus' name. As I look across the room, and I see many of you with this beautiful, absolute gift of gray hair. It has been afforded few to be able to see the age where you can have a head of white hair. You're a gift to this body. Step up. Step up. Step up toward God. The gift that he placed in you has not aged. It has matured. And some of you youngsters sitting here, I speak over you, do not despise your age. God is stirring. He's moving. He's speaking awakening. Awakening, awakening, awakening. Just 
as I keep speaking over you, I just want to kind of call things out this morning while your eyes are closed. There's some of you, you've been called to be prayer warriors, and all of a sudden you just feel like I'm too tired, and you've placed a burden on yourself. I speak a lifting of that burden in Jesus' name. He does not come with condemnation. The enemy comes with condemnation because he wants to drown you. Jesus speaks over you. I've called you and I love you. Stop, stop, stop holding the enemy's words up to me and telling me what the enemy has said. Stop now. Stop, stop, stop. God has given you a voice. God has placed leadership calls on your lives and you've either you've done something you feel you've disqualified yourself. We're going to be training up leaders. This is going to become a leadership manufacturing machine because God is calling us to take the nation. You need to seek God this week and say, Lord, is that me? And then if he says, absolutely not, you know, that's the enemy. For some of you, you've developed a spirit of criticism and you're your biggest audience. All you do is you criticize yourself nonstop. Stop it. Stop it. You are not what you've done in the past. You're called and you're gifted. You feel God just stirring your heart. I can feel he's stirring something in me. And I got you excited. I just feel he's stirring something in us this morning. If you're tired this morning, you just feel you're drained. And you've you've made that statement. And I'd I'd really appreciate it if I didn't have everyone looking around now. Because this can sometimes be a little bit uncomfortable. But if this week or in the last month you've said, I don't know how much longer I can carry on. The challenge that you're facing, it's just exhausting you. Can you stand? I'm not going to embarrass you. Just I want you to stand. If your spouse stands... You have to give up the right to ask him or her, why did you stand? I want to tell you this morning, if that's you this morning, stand. You can, you will, and he's busy with you already. You can, what? Continue. Because you ask, how long can I continue? You can. Can I continue? You can. How long? Until he calls you home. And is he calling you home? No. He's calling you to be rejuvenated. He speaks of living water flowing over you. Just as you're standing there, say, Dear Lord Jesus, I receive living water this morning to flow through me. That refreshing water, the cold, fresh water from heaven to wash over me, to wash over my soul, to invigorate me, to stir me, to just bring new life into me. Heavenly Father, we submit to you your plans, your purposes. Friends, you may sit down. You may sit down. Friends, your, your number's not up. God has called you to so much more. Heavenly Father, I pray, solidify this in our hearts. Fellowship matters, and we're going to see growth. Lord, I pray that as we see growth, and we're going to see growth in depth and in width. We're going to see ourselves grow spiritually, and we're going to see the growth in numbers. Lord, I pray that when we need to get out the way for others to run, we'll get out the way. Lord, where we need to carry others, we'll carry them. Where we need to love, we will love them. We know that we cannot do this in our own strength, but we can only, only do this in your strength. Lord, we understand this. 
Cemeteries are neat. Cemeteries are quiet. Cemeteries are peaceful. Nurseries are a mess. Nurseries are untidy. Nurseries are loud. We speak over this church, getting ready to birth new ones. It's going to become a nursery. It's going to become loud. And it's not always going to be comfortable. And it's not going to be what we used to. Because little ones, newborn Christians are difficult. And they're noisy. And they're loud. And they're a challenge. But we say this morning as Dayspring Church, we're ready. We're ready. We're ready. Do it, Lord. Then while eyes are closed and heads are bowed, if you do not know who Jesus Christ is, He's God who died for you. He's God who died for you. He came from heaven, born as a baby, lived as a man, fully God and fully man, and He was the perfect sacrifice, and He died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. You know you need saving. And if you're sitting here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, where publicly you've said, Lord God, I accept the gift that the Father gives. You don't have to understand even everything that I'm saying. But God is calling you this morning, perhaps online, you're listening to this message. You've never given your life to Jesus. Message us. We'd love to get back to you. But if you're sitting here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, this is it. This is the gospel. It's the good news that you don't have to live an eternity away from our loving God. But when you receive the gift of Jesus, you can be born again. If you hear this morning, I'm not going to delay this. If you hear this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus. I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand really quickly. This morning you're choosing, yes, this morning I'm giving my life to Jesus. I want you to raise your hand really quickly. I'm going to pray with you at the end of the meeting. After the meeting, we're going to wrap up now. But I just want to know, is there anyone that I need to wait for to pray with them? Last call. Last call. Dayspring, get used to this. We're going to see people born again and saved every week. That's what's going to happen. If you're sitting here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus, pop your hand up really quickly, wave at me, and you're going to come see me after the meeting. I don't see any hands. I haven't seen anyone put their hands up. That's fine. As I hand the meeting over, I just want to invite the the ministry team to come stand in front here, please. The ministry team can come. And this morning, if you need prayer, even what we've prayed over you already, you just want somebody to lay hands on you, to love on you, to encourage you. This is the team to do it. They're men and women full of faith, anointed and called by God for this moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, we just thank you. We just, we just received the word that was brought this morning. You know, it's really important when that seed falls on the soil that we receive it. We're the soil. <laughs> I know we think of, about ourselves sometimes as the plant, but no, we're, we're, we're the soil. Are we, are we good soil this morning? Are we going to receive that seed? Are we going to receive that seed that was planted this morning? And if, if you want to receive it this morning, we just say, can we just say this together? We receive it. Go to work. Grow. Be watered. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I, I, I believe that as... DC was speaking, I believe that there are uh, a number in this room who are receiving a call to begin a family group. 
I felt that uh, during this message, a stirring happening in your heart, like there's something you can do in the capacity of what has been given into your hands. Uh, and, and I feel like if that burden, if you're feeling that burden, I just want you to reach out to Larry. Larry, wave your hand. Awesome. Just reach out to Larry because I, I, I felt like that, that almost like a burden that, uh, that fell on your heart, and it's a good burden. It's a good thing. So, Father, we just thank you this morning. Holy Spirit, you are so good. Let's just stand up together. Jesus, Holy Spirit. I just feel like the Lord um, is activating a healing anointing this morning, uh, specifically on these teams that are up front here. And and I feel like that we're going to see creative miracles today. Uh, Something profound happened at James River. Uh, The anointing and the presence of God is here this morning. If you're needing healing in your body, just come up and find one of these team members here. Um, I just really feel like there's, there are creative miracles that are going to happen this, uh, this morning. I'm speci- specifically feeling metal. If there's metal in your body or screws or plates that are in your body, I just, I just believe for the healing and the dissolving of that metal, the replacement with bone, replacement with tendons, ligaments, muscles, whatever that thing is there for. So if, if you need a, a creative miracle in your life this morning, I encourage you to come up. I encourage you, it's not too late. DC gave an invitation this morning for those that would want to accept Jesus. I just ask you, just, just, just it's not too late. Just, just come and talk with him uh, after this. Holy Spirit, we just thank you this morning. You are so good. You are so good, Jesus. You are so good. There's a table in the back. Uh, we're, we're very excited about Caden and all he's doing with YWAM Ministries. Uh, Could we just pray really quick for Hershey? How many remember Hershey? She's just in a real critical situation. So, Lord, we lift up Hershey in the name of Jesus. We declare she will be well. She will be uh, healed. Whatever the situation and circumstances surrounding her, we lift her up in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Awesome. Well, we bless Ray. Ray, as you go out into this next season, would you just take a few minutes and